everybody, and welcome to another episode of the iFreak Show. This week, we're I'm your host, Charles Maxwood, and we're talking to Douglas Hill. Douglas, do you want to say hello? Hello. So, yes, I'm calling in from near London. It's really great to be here. Yeah. What time is it there? Like 10 o'clock at night, something like that? Yep. Yep. Just after 10. So kind of finish, finish my day, winding, winding things down. Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, yeah, we brought you on to talk about the talk that you gave at iOS. I, I am never quite sure what to call it. iOS SG 2020. Yeah, it was a conference just, in Singapore. Yeah, I usually just say it out iOS Conf Singapore. But. There you go. With Headspin, optimize your mobile user experiences 24-7 for any application running on any device and any network anywhere in the world. Their AI-powered analyses track user experience metrics and KPIs over time from cold and warm starts to errors, crashes, and response times, and audio and video quality to biometric responsiveness. Headspin will automatically surface issues and the root cause information you need to optimize user experience for your product or service, providing actionable insights end-to-end across applications, devices, and networks. With the world's first global device cloud that uses thousands of real SIM-enabled devices on actual carrier and Wi-Fi networks in hundreds of locations around the globe with 100% uptime, keep your mobile user experiences ahead of the pack and achieve mobile success with a unified proactive approach to testing, performance monitoring, and user experience analytics only with Headspin. Learn more at headspin.io. And uh, yeah, you talked about um, doing... Full keyboard, keyboard control, yeah, in UIKit apps. Um, yeah, that sounds like fun. <laughs> so the yeah the yeah the original um, I, I, this is a talk I'd, I'd given before as a, um, as a lightning talk, and the the title when I first did it was uh, full keyboard control in uh, in iOS apps. But then uh-huh. kind of since since then we got the uh, project like Mac Catalyst came out, and it kind of expanded to be. Uh, relevant not just on iOS but also on Mac especially so it's right. really about UIKit apps. Yeah and I'm a little curious too because like Mac Catalyst I've heard varying reports on like how well it works and how well how fully baked it is. Um, have you have you used it? Have you done much with it? Yeah so uh, I work at uh, PSPDF Kit um, so our main uh, product is working on a, an SDK, like a, a framework for developers to integrate uh, with okay. PDF in their apps. Um, and then we also make our PDF viewer app, which is um, you know, an app for uh, uh, viewing and, and working with your PDFs. Now it's been on iOS and Android for a while, but we brought that to the Mac using Mac Catalyst um, mm-hmm. because it's really, like it's quite a large project. So it's, it, the Mac was something that had been interesting us like, like for a right. few years, but it hadn't really made sense uh, to invest the time in, um, in building like an app kit, native app. Um, mm-hmm. But with Catalyst, it kind of, there was the, uh, the kind of the cost and the uh, benefit like seemed to kind of cross, cross that fence that we could bring, bring our project to the Mac um, and reuse so much of the UI code that we already mm-hmm. had. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, are are you guys all based out of London, or no? So we are. Um, we've always been a fully distributed team. Um, okay. So we are basically working from home as we've as we've been doing since the company was founded, um, and that's yeah, that's how we, how we get things done. 
Makes sense. So then I guess this whole quarantine, COVID-19, coronavirus thing hasn't really impacted your day-to-day much. Uh, no, not so much. I mean, it, it kind of depends on uh, each individual person's situation. I know some of them will have, have more, you know, more stuff going on at home, uh, that makes things more tricky to focus on work. Um, but if, from an operational point of view, everything is, is running as normal. Right. So do you have kids that are no longer going to school and things like that at your house? Um, no, not here, but I know some of my, some of my teammates are, are struggling with that fitting in homeschooling around everything else. Yeah. Yeah. My kids have generally been done with things by this time of day. It's three fifteen in the afternoon here in Utah. And, uh, not today. I ran downstairs to throw some food in the pressure cooker and my wife was still fighting the math with the kids. So <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, we brought you on to talk about the talk that you gave that was full keyboard control in UI kit apps. Yes. And um, I'm wondering if you could just explain the problem, right? Because it seems mm-hmm. like, yeah, keyboard for one is not something you really think about when you're building iOS apps. Yeah. So the, um, the way I look at this is uh, it's, I guess we, we use iOS often as a catch-all term to be refer to both iPhone and iPad as platforms. Right. This is really, although technically it applies to both, um, the focus is really on, on iPad here. Because you mm-hmm. look at what what Apple sells, um, they've really been pushing the their smart keyboards as a um, you know a really important accessory for the iPad since mm-hmm. since the iPad Pro in 2015 really so those five years, and and then you look at like the 2020 iPads it's 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 okay but what the thing what people are really like excited about is this new Magic Keyboard. Um, so on the one hand, you have this you know, keyboards with iPads, very mm-hmm. kind of common. Um, and then Mac Catalyst, when you're make, making a Mac app, of course, keyboards are um, a fundamental part of, of the experience of using right. a Mac. But I feel like the software uh, support for keyboards is not, uh, it hasn't historically been as good as you might expect it. Certainly not as good as you'd get in, in a Mac app if you built it with AppKit. Because there's mm-hmm. so much um, that this comes from the UI framework. So with, uh, with AppKit, you get a lot of that behavior for free in your app um, for just things like uh, focus, focusing in lists or even table views and using arrow keys to, to move the selection around. Um, whereas building an app with UIKit, that, um, that stuff is not provided out of the box. So as app developers, it's something that we need to, to pay attention to and, and add this stuff to make our apps uh, usable from, from a keyboard. So, uh, I mean, the, and the, the benefit on an iPad, if you're, uh, if you're doing that, is not having to reach up to the screen so often, which I think you see Apple um, acknowledging more with the, mm-hmm. the smart keyboard because it adds the trackpad. So, you know, if you're, if you're using it in the iPad propped up with that keyboard and, and trackpad, you don't need to reach up and, and touch the screen. But I think as kind of software developers, we are familiar with the, the convenience of being able to do really as much with the keyboard as possible, just keeping your hands on the keys speeds yep. things up. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's something that I've seen, but I, I haven't really run into the issue where um, I had something I wish the keyboard did 
that I didn't get, you know, in the apps at all. So, I mean, is there some part of the experience that I'm missing? Um, well, okay. So, uh, from, from a typing point of view, like you're covered, like, yeah, right. Typing so that's kind of the work. basic. So we're looking, we're looking beyond that at, uh, I mentioned like, uh, arrow key, um, to change like the focus in. in oh, that's fair. Views. Yeah. Um, and, and you see, you see mixed results, uh, in apps with that. Some have really good support for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and some don't, but after the box, it's like, there's, and if you're not getting that, um, I, I think this is something that you, I, it kind of depends on, on your level of use of the iPad, but if you're, uh, for people who are kind of using it as more of a, a primary uh, work machine, it's, I, you're going to notice when you're, um, when there's some action or, or app that you're using and it's just, you can't do it with the keyboard and it's right. It kind of slow, yeah, slows things down. Yeah. Well, and there's a bit of disconnect talking about uh, catalyst, right? Where mm -hmm. on the iPad, you're expected to be able to touch the screen and on my Mac pro, for example, my MacBook pro, it just doesn't, it doesn't do that. Yeah. Or with the, I think the Mac is, um, especially important for the keyboard because you're using mm -hmm. more traditional Mac apps built with AppKit, which will right. have great support for keyboards, but then you, you know, you switch into a catalyst app. And if, if you're not getting those standard behaviors, it's the app is going to kind of feel like it's non-native really. And not, yeah. it, it, or I mean, it feels broken because it's just something that's you expect to work when you see uh, that you expect to be able to tab between different focusable elements mm -hmm. and things like that. And it just doesn't work. So how do you go about designing this kind of um, interaction? Because when I think about this and I'm thinking, okay, you know, I want the keyboard to work. I mean, there's a certain level of like use these APIs to make it happen, but I need to be thinking about beforehand, you know, like you said, the tabbing interface or, you know, if I have specific uh, keyboard shortcuts that I want people to use. Right. And so I need to design that so that it works the way that I want it to whether I'm on a Mac or an iPad, right? So how do you start yeah. with the, that level of design and go, okay, this is what's natural for this? Um, well, I think that the, the best guide is what would you expect on, on a Mac regularly? Like if you're, you know, we're generally developing uh, iOS apps on a Mac. So I think all of us are Mac users and familiar with, um, with what kind of, keyboard inputs you'd expect to work. So I think that is, is the best example to look at, look at Mac apps um, that are built with, with AppKit, the more you know, traditional Mac apps and see, see how they're managing things. Um, yep. But it's also the uh, check out the iOS human interface guidelines, but especially the, the Mac section, because that, that has a section that is just about keyboard interaction and oh, everything, yeah. that, everything there is applicable on, on iPad as well. Um, cause I mean, they're both platforms from Apple. There's not, there's not really a fundamental difference in how you'd expect a keyboard to behave between a Mac and an iPad. Yeah, I guess that's true. And if people have an iPad and say a windows machine, well, they're on a Mac platform. So yeah, having that, yeah, having Apple, that level of expectation. Yeah. Apple doesn't really, uh, uh, go for consistency with, with windows as, as one of their design goals on iPad, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a certain level of things that you kind of expect both ways, like uh copy paste 
yeah this, like that. this kind of stuff is is pretty standard i mean it's yeah. control versus command but um yeah the, the keys themselves are are consistent yep absolutely so is there an area of this that you see people get wrong before we start diving into the nitty-gritty of how to write the code to make it happen um hmm i've i've not Beyond not doing it at all, I would say not really. I mean, you could go into more details. Like I think sometimes it's uh, there's perhaps too much animation involved, which which is when you're using a keyboard. Sometimes you're you know hammering keys pretty fast, and then when this when the app is trying to do an animation, like just scrolling each of those key presses, it can mm-hmm. uh, it can slow down. But that that's kind of the more fine details. I think the main problem is just that it's not something that's been thought about at all. Gotcha. So how do you get started pulling this in then? Okay. Um, well, this is kind of what, what approach are you going to take? Cause I think something that can be, uh, tempting when you kind of think about how you perhaps mostly structure your iOS app is to kind of think of, a, think in terms of each kind of view controller, um, or screen in your app and think like what, what functionality would you add there to to support keyboards? Um, but I actually think that a a better approach is to s- step back a bit and think more about the reusable components um, because this is this is I I said before how AppKit is giving you this uh, functionality out of the box. I think mm-hmm. recreating some of some of that uh, kind of default behavior gives you this good uh, groundwork to start from. Um, so this is things like making it so that a, a table view and a collection view responds to arrow keys to change the, the selected cell. Oh, okay. Um, and well, I think this is a good, good segue to um, talk about a project. I have keyboard kit, which is basically an open source implementation of uh, this, uh, this kind of groundwork that I'm talking about. So I actually think that is, uh, I'm obviously biased, but I think that that is a good way to get started is to mm-hmm. try out keyboard kit. Um, cause what that's providing for you is it means that you don't need to implement those kind of basic things because it basically, instead of, uh, instead of like using a, uh, a UI table view and a UI navigation controller in your app, you could s- swap those out for the subclasses provided by keyboard kit. Like just called keyboard table view and keyboard navigation controller. Oh, okay. Um, and that's going to give you a lot of that um, kind of basic functionality. So also things like if you're using like the standard um, system styles of, of bar button items like uh, like save or, or cancel, mm-hmm. um, the keyboard kit components will automatically map them to kind of a, a sensible default. So like command S will right. effectively simulate uh, the same, uh, the, the same action method will be sent into your code as if the user had tapped it. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. And so, essentially, then, um, sort of the muscle memory that I've built up around using my MacBook Pro, then just automatically translates to. Yes, that's the idea. Yeah. App. And then, if I use Catalyst going the other way, then it'll feel natural because Command S does what I expect it to. Yep, that's, that's the idea. Hey folks, are you trying to figure out how to stay current? 
Maybe you're wondering what's going to come out during WWDC and you'd like to watch it with some of the other developers out there in the world. Well, I'm putting on iOS Dev Remote Conf. That's at iosremoteconf.com. A few years ago, my dad was just in a position where he needed me around a lot more than I could be. And so I couldn't travel to all the conferences that I wanted to go to. And so I started doing these remote conferences. And then it turned out that we had the COVID-19 thing hit and people couldn't travel or weren't willing to risk it now. So you can come out, you can stay current. Um, we're going to have a WWDC watch party. We've got some great people coming to speak like Uncle Bob Martin, Ray Wenderlich, Alex and Sujin from the iFreak show. So definitely come check it out. You can go get tickets at iosremoteconf.com. Uh, that's iosremoteconf.com. So then what if I come into it and I'm like, you know what? I want some other key binding for something else. How, how do I wind up setting that up? Okay, so the, the API that uh, UIKit provides for um, receiving input from the keyboard, or at least the, the high-level API, is called UIKey command. It's the class. Uh, okay. And this is just uh, it's a fairly simple object that's defining uh, the keys that need to be pressed, so like a, a modifier key and, and a letter, and then the, uh, the action, like the method that should be called in your code when the key is pressed. Um, and so the, the way that the, you're kind of providing these key commands to the system is there's a, a, a method to override on subclasses of UI responder. So that would be your views and your view controllers in your app. Um, and that's basically that, that method is called uh, key commands fairly straightforwardly. And it uh -huh. just returns an array of, of these command objects that define that, that input. And then the, uh, so that is, uh, that is kind of your, that's your entry point. So like looking at your view controller and saying like, well, the user can, I don't know, like start a timer on this uh, screen when they tap this button and you could have, yeah, you create a key command for triggering that action um, as if the user had, had tapped it really. This, you could use, reuse the same code for that. Uh, and then the other kind of side to this is how all this composes together. And that's perhaps the more tricky part. Um, and that is called the responder chain. Um, so the, the idea behind the responder chain is uh, it's basically keyboard focus. So if you think about mm -hmm. when you're using a Mac, you have like a particular uh, panel in, in an app um, that has, that is focused. And uh, you're probably familiar with when you, uh, when you use like keyboard shortcuts with that panel focused, it goes to uh, it goes to there and not like to some other place. I guess the, it's easiest to think of that in terms of having uh, multiple lists of things with with a table view, like which which one is going to change its selection when you press the up and down arrow keys. Mm -hmm. So this is well, it's a slightly tricky thing to explain, but basically the the responder chain is a chain of these responder objects, so views and view controllers. Uh, that kind of starts from this focused um, element, which is called the first responder, mm -hmm. uh, and basically it walks up the up the view hierarchy and up the view controller hierarchy um, as the chain progresses, uh, ending at your app delegate object. Now, the way this chain comes into play is that basically when a uh, when a a key command is is pressed, it is sent along this chain starting from the first responder um, and it moves along 
to the end, to the app, app delegate, and the, uh, the first object that can implement that, that method uh, will, will receive it. Uh, so it's, uh, the system makes sense when you think about it, but it's, well, it's, it's a little bit tricky to describe. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to visualize it in my head. But yeah, it sounds yeah. like it takes an event and then just bubbles it up until something knows what to do with it. Yeah, it's it's a fairly standard kind of um, chain. Of, uh, I'm not sure, quite sure what the design pattern is for that, but um, but yeah, there's a chain of, of handling the events. So the more mm -hmm. specific object gets gets first chance, and then if that doesn't handle it, uh, it kind of asks its its parent gets the chance, um, ending in kind of app app wide commands. So that might be something. I mean, you think about a Mac app, something like a command comma to show a preferences window um, right. that would be something that you can access from from anywhere in the app yeah i like it that makes sense are there any limitations on what keys or key commands you can come up with uh well yes with the the key command api um it's that's actually only giving you when a key is pressed down so if you think right. uh say you were making a game you would probably want to know both when is a key pressed down and then when does it come up again. Right. Because uh, if you think, you know, your character is moving forwards when you hold the up arrow, you want them to keep moving, not like just take a step each time you press the key. And yep. um, surprisingly, this has been something that has uh, not actually been possible on, uh, or at least with UIKit, uh, until iOS 13.4, which came out what was it, a couple of weeks ago? Uh, it's very, very recent. Yeah. Um, and that added a whole load of uh, lower level um, API for handling presses from a keyboard is, is what that API is called. Uh, so that's like a, your app can now be delivered a UI presses event, which contains mm -hmm. a, a UI press, um, which gives you that more fine grained information of um, whether a key was pressed down or pressed up again. Uh, so that's, nice. I think that's, uh, well, we'll see how that goes, but um, the kind of more keyboard, keyboard input heavy games, uh, which is obviously very popular for PC gaming. It's just something that hasn't been able to exist on, uh, on iOS without this. So right. perhaps we'll see, see some of that, but I, I don't know really. Just see what game developers make use of, how they make use of it. Yep. Um, one thing that I'm wondering too is you mentioned like uh, command comma, for example, to bring up preferences. So does it actually then, can you just say command comma is the combo to run this or do you have to watch for the command and the comma keys to be hit? Okay. So with the UI key command, um, you specify the, the modifier separately. So in this, so it actually takes a, um, a string for the, they call it the input. So in this case, mm -hmm. that would be just a string containing a comma. And right. then the modifiers is a, uh, it's an option set in Swift for the, uh, you know, so you can combine command with option or whatever combination you okay. need. That makes sense. And then um, when it hits the handler, um, now is the handler typically written on the view or is it written on the view controller or... That's entirely up to you. Um, so you can you can put that in at the level that makes most sense for you. Okay. Uh, so like your view controller is going to have a bit more context about what's going on usually. Um, but in you know 
but there's that that uh, kind of classic saying of massive view controller. Um, so it, it can tend to accumulate responsibilities. So right. I think if it's something that you can uh, that you can move down to deal with exclusively in the view, then uh, th that may give you a better like a better code structure. Um, I, th I think for an example of something like moving around a, uh, a selection, uh, the actual moving of the selection makes sense to handle in the view because it just needs to uh, kind of change selected state of, of cells or other subviews. Whereas uh, actually acting on that selection perhaps would go up in the view controller because it may have to coordinate more things across the app. That makes sense. Are, are there any uh, performance concerns at all with this kind of a thing? Um, not, not really. I mean, you do have to be aware that the, uh, the key commands um, property that maybe, you know, that's read on your views and view controllers, this is called very frequently by the system. Uh, so you don't want to put expensive work in there, uh, but just creating key command objects uh, is, is pretty cheap. So I've not, I've not seen something slow down because of this, but yeah, I guess if you, if you do accidentally like have to, you know, I guess if you're doing like a database query to check what actions are possible and you're doing that in every time that key commands method is called, then yeah, that may slow things down. Right. Now, I, I guess one other thing that I'm thinking about through all this is you mentioned like the up down arrow, if you're in a table view, but uh, so, so if you have the table view, you know, or one of the cells selected, then yeah, I can see the up down working. But if you hit up down outside of that, it's, you know, it may do something else because it's, you know, in another view and that view is actually capturing the event and moving things up. But what about like navigation, you know, where it's kind of site wide, do you let that go all the way up to the app delegate and then come back down or how, do, how does that work? So you mean something like transitioning between screens? Yeah. So yeah. So it's full on navigation, right? So it's yeah. it's kind of an app wide positioning, yes. I guess. So uh, this kind of thing is, uh, I think that's perhaps the more tricky aspect of this is how you tie all this stuff together, um, because what you essentially need to do for this navigation is uh, you need to be shifting around the first responder, uh, that kind of focused mm -hmm. uh, focused view or view controller. Uh, between the different parts of your app, um, and this is uh, this is something you traditionally in iOS development you just haven't really thought about that much. It's 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 always been there, and it's something that you may have needed if you're uh, like if you're receiving like uh, motion events like shaking or or yeah, other input or swiping. from the sorry or swiping. Well, uh, well, touch is different because that directly hits a view. So That's it kind true. Of it kind of bypasses the um, the first responder, mm -hmm. uh, but, but things, yeah, kind of like stuff that's coming in from the other sensors on the device, like the accelerometers, uh, you may have had to be thinking about the first responder. Yeah. I think there's no, that's not really a silver bullet for managing the moving that focus around between the app, but it's, uh, it, yeah, it is an important part of, of getting everything to work correctly. Right. I'm just thinking like if I hit like a command or option left or right, or even a control mm -hmm. left or right, right. I might want it to move to yeah, a so I guess that's focus. Uh, you'd probably go something like your, 
I can think of like two approaches. You might have uh, like a particular view controller that's managing like a column of, of information mm-hmm. and perhaps that would delegate up to a level above to tell it to move the focus uh, right. left or right. Or perhaps an alternative would be to uh, like implement this in, well, maybe you have a UI navigation controller or some kind of custom thing that's managing that navigation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of decides which of the, uh, which column the focus moves between. So I could give an example of this from keyboard kit. So that provides a subclass of UI navigation yeah. controller. And that, oh, does, okay. that does implement the going back. Um, so for that, it's the, the navigation controller subclass is providing a key command to go back. Um, so it's, its criteria is uh, just, is there something to go back to? Um, and in that case, it just calls um, like pop, pop view controller on itself, if that's possible. Right. And the way this, that fits into the, um, the responder chain concept, because if, if you have a navigation controller with some kind of child view controller managing um, content, if the, uh, like the content view controller is the first responder, the navigation mm-hmm. controller is on the responder chain by, uh, oh, I gotcha. kind of by, by virtue of being a, um, a parent view controller of that uh-huh. uh, content view controller. So it kind of all fits into place that way. I gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm just trying to think here. I guess uh, one topic we haven't brought up is accessibility. This, uh, I don't have, have a huge amount to say on that topic, um, but it's a uh, keyboard control is something that can be very beneficial for, for accessibility because really giving, right. uh, giving people more ways to interact with an app is going to overall increase the number of people who are like for whom it's possible to interact with the app. Um, depending on maybe they have kind of um, whether it's because the keyboard is, is like separate from the touch screen. So it doesn't, uh, I don't know, perhaps the touch screen is obscured somehow, or perhaps it's the tactile nature of the keyboard. Um, but there's, there's various reasons why people may be able to use a keyboard when they can't use a touch screen. Um, uh, so in, uh, in that way, adding keyboard control to an app does, uh, increase the number of people who, for whom it's, it's possible to use. And you see Apple has an interest in this area because iOS 13.4 added an option called full keyboard control or a full mm-hmm. keyboard access. Um, and this is leveraging the existing iOS accessibility uh, APIs to essentially add a, um, a kind of keyboard focus cursor at the system level that moves between elements on the screen. Um, and this is what, with adding keyboard control in your UI kit app, you, you're trying to do something similar, but the, basically you can, you can create a better user experience by building that natively into your app rather than something that gets built on top of your app using the accessibility APIs. Because um, it can be, I mean, if you're used to like using your Mac with, with a keyboard and apps that support it well. By comparison, full keyboard access is, uh, is kind of well, clunky for people who don't need it. If you do need it, it's obviously uh, brilliant to have that, um, kind of to open up that K- 
capability, uh, but it should be more like a, a last resort. Ideally, the, for kind of the group of people who are in that middle ground where the keyboard is beneficial to them, but not a necessity, then um, it is better if the app has more like native support for the, uh, for keyboard control. Makes sense. So um, I guess one other question I have is, yeah, how do you tie this together? Right. So, um, you know, how do I get the key input? I'm assuming I just have a method on like my UI view controller and it's going to manage all of the business, right? You know, moving things, rearranging things, you know, calling out to the back end, whatever it has to do. Right. So how do I tie, how do I tie the two together? I don't know if I quite got that. So is there just a, a global function or something that I can call that that's going to set all this up or. Uh, you mean, how is that like calling your business logic to make, make changes to things? So if, if I'm writing this into my code and I want like command K to do something, Mm -hmm. um, you know, is, is there a particular function or method that I'm going to call in order to tie that to whatever's going to do the business logic on the back end? Or do I just um, set so that you, up inside the view or view controller? Uh, so there's, you need to call become first responder on your view controller at okay. some point, like when it appears and that uh -huh. sets up that uh, first responder I talked about before. Okay. So it kind of makes it the, the focused uh, the, the element that has keyboard focus. Right. Um, and then when that's done, uh, you don't call, you don't call UIKit. UIKit calls you with um, requesting the key commands when it needs them. Um, and the, the key command itself defines uh, an action method that gets called when the key command is pressed. So there's a bit of back and forth with the system. I First, gotcha. it needs to know what key commands are possible. And then, when the user actually presses the key, it says, uh, okay, do this one now. Um, and then at that point, you, your code can pretty much be shared with your regular code you had for handling touch input. Okay. Early in my career, I figured out which jobs were worth working at and which ones weren't, mostly by trial and error. I created a system that I used to find jobs and later contracts as a freelancer. If you're looking for a job or trying to figure out where you should go next, then check out my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. The book walks you through figuring out what you want, vetting companies that meet your criteria, meeting that company's employees, and getting them to recommend you for a job. Don't settle for whoever has listed their job on the job board. Go out and proactively find the job you'll love. Buy the book at devchat.tv slash job book. That's devchat.tv slash job book. So essentially what I'm doing then is I'm telling this view that it could be a first responder. And then from there, I'm saying, then if you get this key command, here's what you do. And so I don't have to do any weird binding or anything else. That's, that's all that's, there is to it, right? That's, yeah, that's right. So you, um, UI, UI kit manages the whole process and you are, um, you're providing the, um, the bits it needs at the appropriate times, but, but, um, the, the main thing is that that key commands, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a property, but you, you override right. the getter of the property. And then whoever, whoever it hits first with that key command is the one that responds. None of the, it doesn't go further past that after afterward. Uh, no. Uh, once, up the chain. No, it won't continue along the chain once something has, uh, okay. something's handled it. 
what if you want it to? Is there a way to do that? Or do you have to give it a different key uh, command? That is a method um, uh, can perform action. Uh, so this will be uh, this will be called with a, a selector as the argument. Um, so it would be like, I don't know, you had your command K for like, I don't know, clear all or, or something. Um, so your, this, this can perform action will be called on each object in the responder chain. Um, so if say it's not possible to perform it because there's no uh, objects to clear or something, you could return no to that. And instead, um, the, then when that key is pressed, it will skip that view of view controller and continue up the responder chain. Okay. Um, so this, this is useful if you, have like a, if you have like two nested scroll views and you may want to use arrow keys to, uh, they scroll the scroll view, but if one is already at the, I mean, at the top or the bottom, then you would want it to ignore that key so that the... Um, the scroll view that's uh, kind of on the outside gets a chance to respond to that input instead. Gotcha. So I'm also wondering, is there a way to test all this? Ah, yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, I could see there's, there's two possible ways you could look at that. Um, you could do fairly specific unit tests looking at your particular views and view controllers, um, just calling their key commands uh, property and seeing if that's returning the objects you expect for whatever state your app is in. Um, but so this is going to catch some things, but it's not going to catch uh, things like if the uh, responder chain is set up incorrectly, or maybe you have uh, two views that are overriding each other, so one is blocking the other. Uh, I haven't I haven't looked much at that, but I th I think that you could if you if necessary you could kind of replicate the um the lookup that the system will perform to determine which key commands are possible because uh, it's essentially asking all objects on the responder chain what their key commands are and you know adding them adding those arrays together in the order it returns them uh, but i'm not aware of a kind of more integrated way to to kind of query the system what key commands will be possible. Makes sense. I don't know if I have any other questions. Is there anything else I should have asked that I didn't? I guess one thing is how, how useful is keyboard control on, on an iPhone? And <laughs> I didn't even think um, of that. Yeah, because there's just so many developers are uh, iOS developers. iPhone is really, uh, iOS means iPhone more or less. It's just such a um, more demand for making iPhone apps. Mm -hmm. Um, and there, I would say if your app is exclusively iPhone, uh, this is probably not the most important thing to invest in. Now I have, I know I have been on a train and I've seen someone, uh, put their iPhone in a very little dock with a, a hardware keyboard and start just powering through emails on that, that keyboard. So I, I guess there's some, uh, some number of users are using hardware keyboards with iPhones, but uh, I don't think it's hugely common. I would also say it's not hugely difficult to add to an iPhone app. In fact, it's it's easier than iPad because these issues uh, that we talked about, like having to manage the first responder, like when you have, have a split view or, or other, another way of showing multiple columns at once, 
uh, doesn't really occur much on iPhone. You usually just have one, really one screen at a time, um, or one, one kind of main content view controller at a time. So you can uh, basically make that the first responder at all times. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's more of an iPad thing than an iPhone thing. Sounds good. So uh, do you want to give us kind of an elevator pitch for Keyboard Kit? Yeah, sure. Um, so Keyboard Kit is doing a lot of uh, tedious things for keyboard control that you may not want to add. So it's basically anything that could be um, generally applied across many apps. Um, it's a, a goal of Keyboard Kit to provide that. Uh, the, the high level goal is to make the uh, basically replicate the keyboard support you get for free with AppKit, but in an app built using UIKit. Uh, so I could just do a keyboard kit has a lot of different um, subclasses of UIKit components that it provides. So the idea is instead of, uh, instead of using a class directly, like a UI scroll view, you can instead use a keyboard scroll view. Um, and that gives you uh, a number of things. So in that particular case, you're getting like arrow key scrolling, also support for some perhaps more obscure things you wouldn't think about, like um, page up, page down, home and end keys. So this, uh, it's fair enough that you probably wouldn't think of those because uh, these are not keys that exist on the Apple uh, smart keyboard. Uh, but on a Mac app, this is something that people would expect to just work because that is going to work in every uh, every app built with AppKit. Um, so yeah, KeyboardKit is uh, providing all of these things. Um, it's also other things like uh, making new windows and, and closing windows. Um, so this is particularly relevant on a Mac, but also on, um, uh, on iPad, we have multiple windows now. So it's, it's kind of, it's, it's filling in a lot of these gaps. Sorry, that was that was a very long elevator pitch. No, that makes sense. I think you just, I mean, people are going to want to know what's in it, right? And so that mm -hmm. that helps. And then it's like, okay, I don't have to build any of that stuff because that's just standard operating within any app. So then I'll go worry about the app specific stuff that I need, and you know, allow them to move from there. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. So it's stuff that's not uh, not going to be specific to your app. Right. So uh, before we go to picks, I'm wondering um, if people want to reach out to you online, say they have questions about this or anything like that, how do they find you online? Well, for, um, for kind of uh, short queries about things, Twitter is probably best. Uh, so I'm on there as QDOG, so Q-D-O-U-G. Um, or if it's something more involved and specific to Keyboard Kit, uh, I'd recommend um, making an issue on the, the keyboard kit repository. So that's, uh, it's probably easiest to find by the link, but that's, um, on GitHub Douglas Hill slash keyboard kit. Um, so th I think an issue is, is not just good for, um, uh, like whether it's kind of a feature request or, uh, or a bug, but it, I mean, I think it's also a good place to discuss, like, this is, this is some thing I want to achieve and I can see that, or, there's there's like internal stuff in keyboard kit to do this, but it's not exposed publicly. Uh, and I've I've kind of done it like that with a fairly minimal public API, just because it's it's going to be easier to maintain if the public API is 
not doing kind of preemptively supporting use cases that don't actually exist. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do picks. Um, now, I don't know if you uh, were informed on picks. Basically, it's just anything that you like, anything that you're enjoying, um, you know. So TV shows, books, movies, that kind of a thing. Um, my wife really got into a TV show that she got me into. It's called The Prodigal Son. I think it's on NBC. I think we were watching it on Hulu. It might be on CBS Interactive because we also have that. So um, anyway, uh, enjoying that. It's kind of a serial killer, you know, the, the good guys hunting down the, the serial killers kind of a show. Um, the, the protagonist suffers from some forms of mental illness. And so if, if that bothers you, I probably wouldn't watch it. Um, and it gets a little bit dark at times, but, um, yeah, my wife and I, we watched criminal minds for many, many years and really enjoyed that. And so this is kind of the new criminal minds for us, I guess. So I'm liking that. I'm going to pick that. Um, also want to just shout out briefly about devchat.tv slash, conferences and specifically we're putting on an ios remote conference wwdc got moved online and i still haven't seen anything that says exactly what that means right i don't know if they're just releasing videos like they've done after wwdc in past years or if they're going to actually try and do stream live talks and stuff like i i have no idea um so my plan is is i'll put on this online conference kind of in the vein of like an alternative or, you know, AltConf also got canceled. Um, and then what we'll do is um, the day before, because I'm assuming it'll be the same first week in June that it was planned for. Um, what we'll do is we'll actually have like a watch party and we'll let people vote on which videos we want to watch. And then we'll all join in the same stream and, you know, watch it together. And so people can comment on it and, you know, make smart aleck remarks about whatever they said and things like that. And, you know, just, just kind of the goofy stuff that you get at a conference and get a little bit of human interaction there, right? Um, and so we'll have a, a watch party and then the next three days will be talks and we'll have three days worth of talks. Um, it'll be U.S. convenient times, right? So like 8 a.m. Mountain Time until 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Um, I know that starts a little early for you, those of you in Pacific Time and might go, you know, a little later than you want on Eastern Time, but that's kind of what we're aiming at. And then if people really want one, then I may consider doing another one at more like Europe friendly times. So we'll see if we're doing that. Um, if people are listening to this and they're into other technologies like Ruby on Rails, JavaScript, or uh, React Native, I'm also putting on conferences for that. And then I'm also planning a big conference online again for podcasters. And I'm aiming for sometime around the end of October, beginning of November. So if you want to learn how to podcast or anything like that, um, I'm putting that together too. That's not really super relevant to this. So yeah, uh, devchat.tv slash conferences. We're also putting on meetups, devchat.tv slash meetups. And um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. There was something else I was going to pick and I can't think of it at the moment. So yeah, if you have anything you want to shout out about, uh, Douglas, go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to go for a kind of a, a more general uh, pick. Um, if you have, haven't seen it before, I really love standardebooks.org. So this is um, a volunteer kind of driven website that uh, you've perhaps heard of Project Gutenberg. Uh, so standard ebooks is, is also uh, making available 
uh, copyright expired novels, um, but they have a very high standard for the like the quality of the production. So uh, it can be when you're uh, looking at um, kind of old old novels where there's no copyright restrictions, they've perhaps been poorly poorly scanned um, from you know, from the printed works, uh, but Standard eBooks does a really good job getting them, uh, you know, making good quality eBooks. So if you're after some classic literature, uh, I'd highly recommend that. So it's all, it's all free. So I think there's, you know, there's so much reading on there. Um, I think that's good to check out. So if you want something like uh, Sherlock Holmes novels or some Charles Dickens, something like that, it's it's there. Uh, so I've I've just started reading Emma by Jane Austen. So it's a while since mm-hmm. I while since I read any Austen, so it's uh, it's been interesting going in. It's a little bit, um, uh, a little bit harder to read perhaps than some more more modern novels. Um, it's just a lot of a lot of characters to uh, keep track of, but I think it's going to be good once I get get going better with it. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I'll have to check that out. Some of those public domain uh, books are just awesome. So yeah, no, I I really love classic. Uh, classic novels. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for coming. This was fun, Douglas. Uh, thanks for having me. It was, uh, yeah, it was really fun to be on. All right. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Um, and until next time, folks, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.